And welcome to episode 12 of the Weekly Sports Talk podcast with Nick Palazzolo. I'm Josh Pose. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Palazzolo5 and at Pose underscore Josh. These are this week's headlines. MLB plays deal or no deal. We'll update you on the latest on where the two sides stand. Um, And are we any closer to playing baseball? The NBA is all set in Orlando, but what will the bubble environment look like? The Bears coaches met the media this week and what... What do they think of this offseason? Is Mitch working out too much? Who wins the QB competition in a shortened shortened preseason? Is playing NFL games in a bubble environment realistic? All that and more coming up next on the Weekly Sports Talk Podcast. First of all, before we get started, Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I, I wish we could uh, bring the people some uh, better news regarding baseball, but I feel like all they want to do is keep on fighting. Yeah, it's just hopefully in the next couple of weeks we get that, but so far nothing as it's been the same for the past three weeks, four weeks now, and all this negotiation deal. So, Nick, we're going to start out with, the MLB playing deal or no deal. The John Heyman of USA Today yesterday said that both sides were close to a deal with the MLB offering a 60-game prorated salary with extended playoffs. But today, the MLBPA, uh, the Players Association, proposed a 70-game 2020 MLB season with a full prorated pay as well. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, well, it's just kind of funny. About a week ago today, Rob Manfred, or I think it was during the NFL draft, Rob Manfred, we are 100% going to have baseball this year. Monday, I'm not very confident we're going to have baseball. Like, all right. And those two statements he made were both on the record in a span of about five days. It was like, so so which one is it? And, and I know most people are like, but he's the commissioner of baseball. He could just regulate a season. Yes, but, but people have to realize the commissioner in baseball is different than any other sport. Commissioner Rob Manfred of the MLB, he works for the owners. He has to convey the owner's thoughts, right? Rob Manfred said he's not confident in the in mandate. Rob Manfred has the ability to mandate a 48, 50 game season somewhere in there. That is very possible. But the the players association could turn around and file a grievance against the owners for negotiating in bad faith. And Rob Manfred, who basically speaks for all 30 owners, he was like, yeah, if we're not going to mandate a season unless the players agree to waive um, waive uh, them filing a grievance. So that, Josh, I don't know if you got the same impression I did about it, but just from that kind of exchange that happened over like 48 hours, it was like Rob Manfred knew. He knew the owners were in the wrong in not negotiating in bad faith because as a part of that March 25th agreement, he was like, you know, we're going to try to set and play as many games as possible. But if you were to implement a 50-game season, you know, he wouldn't be able to, you know, mandate uh, or he, they would uh, – the players could sue him for basically not negotiating in good faith. Yeah, it's just Manfred, like you said, with a span of five days, he went from 100% there's going to be a season to no season. 
Um, I think he might just have to say yes to this MLBPA offer, which Jeff Passan, hopefully I said that right, uh, has the details out. He gave it out yesterday. Um, it'll be a 70-game season from July 19th to September 30th. There'll be $50 million in playoff bonuses, 50-50 split of new postseason TV revenues in 2021, forgiveness of salary advice for Tier 1 through 3 players, universal DH, mutual waiver of grievance. Well, I'm going to ask you this question. Universal DH, do you think that goes on in the future, Nick? Uh, universal DH, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think it was inevitable because just me and you both play baseball. In high school, there, there's this thing called POs, pitchers only. Pitchers only, they pitch. They do not hit. That starts in high school. In college, they don't hit. They get DH'd for. But when they get the, to the pros, if they play in the National League, they, they get to hit again. So I, I think this was, you know, um, you know, I think it was inevitable over time. Um, uh, as a part of the new CBA, uh, the collective bargaining agreement, I'm sure that was going to be a main topic there. Um, but, you know, you, you take a look at it. I think some teams as benefits like the Reds, some teams as hurts like the Cubs. Um, because just not having that depth that the power, uh, more power bats than most teams, you know, it's one of those things where if you take a look at the, the MLB, Tony Clark and Rob Manfred met one-on-one in Phoenix, Arizona on Tuesday, right? They got together. Rob Manfred was under the assumption that they had the framework to a deal in principle. John Heyman on Twitter got all the clout in the world, all the clout in the world. You know, he had, you know, we have a deal. Uh, 60 games, full pro-rated, expanded playoffs, universal DH, and all that good stuff. But Rob Manfred told Tony Clark, we cannot go higher than 70 games. So what does Tony Clark do? Let's have 70 games, because why not? It's just one of those things where I I, I feel like, Josh, I don't know if you have the, the same feeling, but, you know, um, it, it, do you think Scott Boris is pushing his agenda here a little bit? Because there's been some rumors Trevor Bauer has been at him. Um, you know, tre- uh, Trevor Bauer, uh, pitcher for the now Cincinnati Reds. You know, it's one of those things where uh, Scott Boris represents a large amount of the players. Uh, Anthony Rendon, Garrett Cole. Those were two of the biggest free agent signings this past offseason. Nick Castellanos, Chris Bryan. Uh, I think Mookie Betts is his one of his um, clients. It's just like, so Scott Boris basically has got all the powers, like push for more games. Why would he say push for more games? Because if they go from 60 to 70, and I'm sure the owners will reject the Players Association's 70-game proposal, but if they go up 10 games, Scott Boris makes more money for himself, right? Because he takes a fee of those players' contracts. So the more games the payer, the players play, the more games Scott Boris makes. Yeah, I think Scott Boris is the guy behind everything. You have Tony Clark being the guy that's in the press as the leader, but you could you could see out of certain sources and stuff that Scott Boris is kind of playing a huge role for the MLBPA over these past couple of weeks. Yeah, and and I think you can, you can look at it and it's like who who who's doing the bidding for the players? Is it Tony Clark? 
And Tony Clark really screwed up the CBA in 2015, 2016, something like that. He really screwed it up for the players, agreeing to the service time, and that's why it's a big as it big of an issue. That's why Chris Bryant got held down in the minors in 2015 for 12 days, and why Mike Olt was playing third base for the Cubs. He really screwed up that CBA, and now he's coming into this negotiations like, there, the, Josh, there's no trust on each side, right? And in negotiation, uh, trust is a big thing, but there's no trust. I know, I, I I think, I can't think of his first name, but Mr. Wiener, he was a players association. He was a union lawyer, right? If he was still alive, I think he died from a stroke or a brain tumor or something. It was very sudden, very tragic. But most people in the game believe that, you know, if if he was still in – We'd be in spring training if he was still alive right now. You know, you take a look at it. You know, the players have 60, uh, or the owners offer 60. The uh, the players offer 70. We'll probably settle for about 64. The 66 games meet in the middle somewhere. But, Josh, I don't know if you have that same sentiment about Scott Boris kind of pushing his agenda just so he can cash another check. Yeah, that Scott Boris is known to be – the money man, and he, he's he's trying to make his money. He's trying to stay in business, even though he has enough business that could last him probably a hundred years. But he he's he's the big big wig that wants more money, even though he's getting all these huge paychecks coming in. Yeah. So moving on to, are we any closer to playing baseball? What do you think, Nick? Uh, I, I do. Uh, we're recording this a day early on a Thursday. Typically, podcasts, are, we ship them out on Friday. Uh, but, but I think by the end of this week on Friday, I, I think we will have a deal done because you can't wait. Um, originally, when all this negotiating started, you know, they were like, July 4th weekend, that's where we're going to be. Then it was July 10th. Now it's looking like July 19th, right? So we keep pushing it further and further back right so i i I think we will have a deal i think we're looking at about 65 games give or take full prorated expanded playoffs uh universal dh um you know uh, but but here's the thing i've i've seen on twitter and some uh mlb reporters who uh, are really um really close to both sides of this they're like the owners see this as this new 70-game proposal from the players is almost like a disrespectful step, and they don't even want to counter. Uh, so, And I know there's been some rumors about, you know, Manfred can implement a 50-game season, but there, he would just, you know, and then the players would sue him for not negotiating in good faith, right? But what if Manfred and the owners were to stall for two, three weeks, right, you know? Then by the time Manfred implements a season, you know, that's as many games as they could play. So I I do think we'll have a deal done by the end of this week. But uh, I I think it would have to come come from the players, right? Um, I I don't know if the owners – I don't think they'll counter the players' 70-game proposal. The easiest thing – um, the easiest thing for them would be to counter, but I don't think they will. I think the players will have to send a new proposal since 70 obviously won't work. Uh, we'll probably look at about, like I said, 64, 66 games, somewhere like that. Yeah, just meeting in the middle would be the nice thing. Uh, so we're going to move on to the NBA. They are all set to go to Orlando 
even though cases are kind of rising, not kind of, they are rising in Florida. Um, and so they talked about team hotel and all that will happen. So here's the team hotel situation at the Disney's grand Floridian resort resort and spa. Um, the teams will be the 76ers, Grizzlies, magic Mavericks, Nets, Pacers, Rockets, and Oklahoma City Thunder. At the Disney Yacht Club Resort, the Sacramento Kings, New Orleans Pelicans, San Antonio Spurs, Phoenix Suns, Portland Trail Blazers, and Washington Wizards will be staying there. Um, and at the Grandestino Tower at Disney Cor- Coronado Springs Resort, the Bucks, Celtics, Clippers, Heat, Jazz, Lakers, Nuggets, and Raptors will be staying there. What do you think about those room assignments? I would say hotels, yeah, hotel assignments. I, I don't, I don't think it matters really. I, I think all the other details are kind of more important, but I don't realistically. I don't see cool. You're staying at a hotel. Cool. We're at the Grand Floridian or the Yacht Club. Yeah, I, I don't think that matters. But the interesting thing is, you know, uh, Sham Sharani of the Athletic and Stadium. He sent out a tweet uh, that said, in Orlando, the hotel's amenity, the hotel amenities will have players-only lounges with NBA 2K, TVs, gaming, the pool and trails, barbers, manicures, pedicures, a 24-hour VIP concierge, daily entertainment, movie screenings, DJ sets, video games, ping pong, pool, lawn games, and players can attend other games. So it just sounds like a big fun. And, 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 all right, I'm going to make a comparison here. But if you are in the middle of Better Call Saul, please, please turn the volume all the way down so I can give this comparison. All right, thank you. So, Josh, I don't know if you're a Better Call Saul fan, but uh, Gus, uh, you, if you didn't watch Better Call Saul, you'll know. But Gus hires Germans to build a meth lab, and he puts them in a storage hangar with they give them everything they need. It's basically what this is. Right. I I mean, he gives them food. He gives them TVs. He gives them a bar. He gives them housing. He gives them all that kind of stuff. And that's basically what this is. All right. You can turn up your volume now, even though you can't hear me. Um, You know, you know, you take a look at it. Josh, doesn't this sound like a whole bunch of fun? Realistically, doesn't it sound like. Yeah, it sounds like sounds like the greatest uh, couple months sleepover these guys will have for the rest of their lives. Um. I mean, they have all the amenities, video games. Every they have everything you could probably think of, and it's better than their own homes. I'm guessing, unless LeBron, I'm guessing, might have a lot of that the stuff that they'll have there. But a 24 hour concierge, manicurist and pedicurist that is just insane. They have everything they need there. Um, I I understand why they put them in three different hotels, but Really, does it really matter if one team is going to be playing, staying at a nicer hotel than the other? It's it's a bed, it's a roof. Everything's going to have the same amenities. You're in a bubble environment, right? So people are, you know, gonna people are gonna, you know, uh, do what they need to do inside the bubble. The one thing players have raised concerns about Disney employees: they can come and go as they please work nine to five, leave, come back for the ne- their next nine to five, right? But NBA players have to stay in. One of the things I found interesting, let me see if I can find it, but Sham Sharania, he had a tweet that said, you know, 
The NBA will create an anonymous hotline to report potential violations of protocols. So basically for like ping pong, you can only play singles. You can't play doubles because, you know, six feet unless you have one big, big uh, ping pong table, you know, Um, you know, they have isolate uh, the protocol for if they test positive will be immediate isolation. Uh, They'll retest to confirm it's positive. And then you have to, you have to get negative a negative test uh, at least twice. Um, you know, all all of these things. Like, I think the anonymous tip line is going to be uh, <laughs> quite interesting because you know what are what are they going to do if you violate your six feet right? Your six feet of social distancing or arbitrary six feet, whatever. What are they gonna do? Suspend you? They gonna kick you out? Like what? Are, what are they gonna do? Yeah, and you have those rules. Just two problems with that. One, what if they're on the same team? They're already tossing the same ball around anyway. They're passing it to each other. They're they're doing all this stuff. It, does it really matter if they're on the same doubles team in ping pong? Yeah, I mean, personally, if you're wearing masks and you're playing doubles ping pong, there shouldn't be an issue. But they're NBA players. They're not going to wear masks. I know. So basically, the layout is there's going to be two rows of benches for, like, active players and, like, coaches. If you're on the second row of uh, the second row of benches, you have to be wearing a mask. If you're on the first row, no mask needed. But referees will also need to be wearing masks. So, so I think the NBA is is trying to do as much as they can, but I, I think when you take a look at it, there there will be something. Um, there will be some things that, uh, you know, if I, you know, a certain team um, does some stupid stuff, you know, I, I, that'll that'll. Be, I'll, I I just imagine all the fallout from things that could happen, right, Josh? You take a look at it. You put a bunch bunch of grown men into the same environment to play basketball. Is everyone really going to play nice with each other? Right? No. Nope. So, so you, you, you think about it, it's like, ooh, so you stick in all these teams. Let's say the um, 76ers and the Mavericks, they play each other, and they're getting chippy during the game. Does that translate back to the hotel? What are you going to do? Settle it over some 2K? Like, like how is that going to work? So that's what I'm interested to see. Yeah, and and I don't think the, – they're grown men at the end of the day, but you, you say, like, the 76ers and the Pelicans get into it. I know that might never happen, but you know what I mean. But um, if they get into it and it comes into after the game, are there cameras to prove – that someone wasn't doing it. That that was some that someone was in was not following the rules. Right, and I and I think the anonymous tip line is funny because if you don't like someone in the league, you you call up that tip line and try to get them in trouble. Because I mean, it's I mean, will there be cameras? Probably. Will it be your word against mine kind of thing? Uh, how is Silver gonna like enforce this? Are they going to kick players out? Are they going to suspend you? I, I think it's all kind of interesting to see how all this play out, um, plays out. Yeah, so moving on to the Bears coaches meet the media. I'm going to go to a quote by the outside linebackers coach, Ted 
Monachino. Hopefully I said that right. Um, on Khalil Mack, he's training like I've never seen anyone train before. He's preparing to be as good as he possibly can be before the season starts. Nick, what do you think about those comments about Khalil Mack's training? I, I mean, it's Khalil Mack. It, it's uh... – I don't know if he still is, but he was at one time the highest paid defensive player in in the whole NFL history. And the, that statement by the Bears linebacking coach, you know, or linebacker coach, that, that goes to show what kind of person Cleo Mack is. He's not going to sit on his butt and do nothing. He's going to try to get better every day. You know, um, it's just one of those things. It doesn't really surprise me because in order to obtain the status or the, um, the check – of, you know, being the highest paid defensive player in the league, you know, you weren't just born with that gift. You have to have a work ethic and develop all that. So that statement really didn't surprise me. So the one thing that did kind of surprise me was I believe it was John DeFlippo, the new Bears quarterback coach. You know, he said, you know, he, 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 you were, he made a comment in his presser. He was like, you need to be able – You were most quarterbacks were born able to read defenses, right? I, I think that was John DeFlippo. But, Josh, didn't Matt Nagy say at the Combine he wants Mitch Trubisky to get better at reading defenses? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the new quarterbacks coach says quarterbacks need to be born to read defenses. But the head coach is telling you, that you know, Mitch isn't very good at it. How does that bode for Mitch? Josh, I know I mentioned it a few weeks ago when we broke down this quarterback competition, but but I do think the best case scenario for the Bears if Mitch Trubisky was able to win this outright, he's been working out four to five times a week with Allen Robinson, Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery, Cole Komet. Um, he's been working with all those guys. Um, but I do think it is in the Bears' best interest to, you know, have Mitch win the job and win it convincingly um, because that means something clicked, right? Mitch Trubisky's biggest flaw was, you know, he, he, he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, right? His accuracy issues were a big problem. Uh, making very questionable reads was an issue. Basically, everything you need to be successful at quarterback, Mitch did not do, right? But everyone loves his work ethic. So, so, Josh, I ask you, who wins the quarterback competition if there's only two – let's say there's two preseason games. Who wins? Nick Foles as the outsider coming in with history of all of the, with history of all of the Bears' assistant coaches or Mitch Trubisky, the incumbent, who is working with all the Bears' wide receivers, the running backs, the tight ends, and he's been under Matt Nagy um, for most of his career, we can say. So who wins in a shortened preseason? Is it Trubisky or is it Foles? It's 100% Trubisky because, like you said, he's been working out. Trubisky's been working out with Allen Robinson, Cole Komet, all these guys three to four to- three to five times a week at, in various places. Maybe a little too much. Maybe that was forced upon by the Bears to, to Trubisky to go work with his guys. Um, maybe it wasn't. Maybe that's just how Mitch goes, and he just sucks otherwise. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, Nick Foles hasn't come in. I don't even know if he's been in Chicago since this whole thing started. Yeah, well, well I know he just a couple days ago, him and his wife gave birth to a son a couple 
days ago, I believe. So he's probably had, you know, some time away from his family. But I know he's been working with Cody Whitehair, who will probably become the Bears center or will be the Bears center this year. Um, But, you know, you would think you would think Trubisky has the edge, right? But like 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 I said earlier, full uh, Trubisky's biggest flaws were not being able to hit open receivers, not being able to read defenses. But Nick Foles can do that. He had an injury shortened last year. The Jaguars were not very good last year. Um, so do you think that um, I, I I think Trubisky is a good answer in in terms of the shortened preseason. But if they have a full preseason, it's got to be Nick Foles. But but I do think the best thing, the best case scenario is um, for Trubisky to win it outright. Because in a shortened preseason, you'll only have a limited amount of looks under the new system. Who knows when the Bears will be uh, getting back into the facility, right? You know, some teams are getting back in. The Bears are taking a more conservative approach. Um to letting people back in. I think Ryan Pace and a couple of the scouts have been let in. Uh, but Matt Nagy and the players have not been let in. But I know John Harbaugh and Sean Payton have been on the record and saying, you know, some of these safety precautions that the NFL has implemented for their players to come back is humanly impossible, right? Because offensive line, defensive line, right? You're all about in a yard from each other, right? Maybe even less, right? You can't social distance there. You're going to be a bunch of grown 300-pound men who are six foot five, breathing on each other who are all right next to each other. Like, you're not just going to be able to social distance the offensive line. Like, that's just not how this works. So I think the NFL's got to be a little bit more realistic in regards to its it's um, health and safety protocols. I do think we'll get figured out. But, Josh, I don't know if you saw Dr. Um, Fauci. Um, I think he's the head of the CDC for infectious diseases. He said it would be nearly impossible to play NFL games um, this this upcoming fall due to the concern of a second wave of COVID. Um, he said if they want to play, they got to play in a bubble environment. So is playing in a bubble environment for NFL realistic? No, 100% not, because if you're going to play once a week and it takes what they, – they say it takes two, one to two weeks to have, like, symptoms uh, for coronavirus, then you, you, you go week to week and you, you have, like you said, the linemen sweating at each other, grabbing each other, all this stuff. Um, and um, – now they're gonna they're gonna spread it if someone has it. Let's say someone got it or contracted it, then they give it to that the next person. Then they'll go and play another team, and they they'll give it to them, and then they'll pass it on to another team. That that's where you'll create problems. Yeah, like in baseball. Yeah, and I, and I like in baseball. Yeah, go ahead. Um, like in baseball, it's it's not as much of that stuff other than sharing the ball, but you can you can limit it to one team touching the ball at one time. Right. Yeah, and and I think the bubble environment is going to be very hard because, sure, like the NBA uh, going to Orlando makes a lot of sense. They have the hotels. 
they have the facil- the practice facilities and the playing facilities to play in Orlando. But the NFL, where are you going to find a bunch of practice facilities, a bunch of hotels, and a bunch of places to play games? Because realistically, how many NFL games are you going to try and play in one day? Right? Three? Yeah. Three at the most? Because an NFL game, that'll take about three hours, three and a half hours. So you'll, that'll probably be three games a day. So that's just not realistic, for, especially for how the NFL is played. Yeah, I agree. So we're going to move on to a new game that I like to call Rank the Commissioners. So we'll have the four major sports, and we'll rank them one to four. So, Nick, give me your top four. Oh my! Or your 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 rankings? Yeah, my rankings. Uh, some of these commissioners are pretty terrible. But number one, uh, give me Adam Silver. Adam Silver, he's done a great job for the NBA. Really good commissioner. Uh, some MLB players were uh, tweeting, "Hey, Adam Silver, you up?" As uh, all these MLB negotiating negotiations have been going on. So Adam Silver is loved by everybody, liked by everybody. Uh, so he gets my number one. Number two, Roger Goodell. Um, but, the, but the difference between one and two is uh, a trash can. Because after one, there there is no clear-cut second. Right, Josh? I, I'm sure you'd probably have the same sentiment. But, you know, after Adam Silver, all the commissioners are do, are, do some pretty dumb stuff, right? And, and I know being a commissioner working for the owners is hard and all. But, I mean, if you take a look at the four major sports of Gary Bettman, Rob Manfred, Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell's the best of those three. Um, he's done a decent job with the NFL. Not many people like him. He gets booed every year at the NFL draft. Uh, so that's why Goodell's my number two. Uh, number three, Gary Bettman. Uh, Gary Bettman is not well liked around the NHL, but uh, at least he was able to come with a plan. Uh, to restart the season. He's not well-liked, but Gary Bettman's my number three. Number four, Rob Manfred. Rob Manfred, he sucks at his job, um, in my opinion. Uh, you know, he, he's a lawyer. He was a lawyer. He uh, took over for Bud Selig. He's a lawyer. You would think a lawyer would be able to figure out how to negotiate, but we keep having this catfight of deal or no deal, and we don't know how many games we're going to be playing. And we're just not going to – we're, we're going to play baseball. We're not going to play baseball. So which one is it? I, I, it feels like Rob Manfred – like most commissioners love their sport. Adam Silver loves the NBA. Rob Manfred, I feel like he hates baseball. Um, he wants to shorten the minor leagues. He, he wants to put more money in the pockets of the owners. And, and, yes, that makes sense. But Rob Manfred has done a really crappy job of marketing his players. A lot of people – a lot of people outside, like the Chicagoland area, are like, they don't like Javi Baez. They think he's too flashy, too much swag. Same thing can be said about Tim Anderson. If, uh, um, if uh, Cam Newton or Deshaun Watson were walking down Michigan Avenue in Chicago, right next to Mike Trout, everybody will know who Cam Newton and Deshaun Watson are. But they will have no clue who Mike Trout is. Because Rob Manfred has done a very horrible job in in marketing his players. Um, that's why most people are sick of seeing Javi Baez. Because it seems like that's what M- the MLB social media always tweets about. is Javi Baez. Cool tag. Cool home run. Cool slide. Stuff like that. Which I personally love. 
but people get sick of tired, sick and tired of hearing it. But uh, the MLB isn't marketing their best player in Mike Trout, so that's why Rob Manfred he's not doing anything to uh, get the younger generation involved in the game, and that's why MLB ratings have uh, significantly declined. And I think it has a lot to do with Rob Manfred. So just to recap, I have Silver one, Goodell two, Batman three, and Rob Manfred four. Josh, what do you got? I'm going with the same exact thing, but I'm just going to point out Gary Bettman. And he was, I'm not going to lie, he was my last place, if you would have asked me this before this whole coronavirus. Um, same guy that in 05 implemented the hard cap. Um, the only major sport with a hard cap. Um, it's just so stupid. It barred the Blackhawks from being even better than what they were other than the three Stanley Cups. They they had to get rid of guys. They had to get rid of Dustin Bufflin. You you shouldn't have to do that. But if you get better, like with the hard cap, when you get better, you can't maintain it. Yes, you can't win. You could, Some people say you can't win back-to-back years. Yes, I know the Pittsburgh Penguins won. I think it was 2016, 2017, I believe, or something like that. Um, but the hard cap implemented that that's needs to start going away. So teams can teams that draft well, teams that want to get a good guy. They want this. They can have, they can be that powerhouse like the nineties bulls were, or the Yankees used to be. And I'm, that's the key word used to be keywords. There used to be, they, they are cheaters. And, I'm going to go to Rob Manfred. I'm just going to switch right over. So the the closed letter to the Yankees, what's that about? The closed letter to the Yankees. Are you talking about the recent one? Yes, the most recent one. Yeah, so I I haven't done so much on this. So, Josh, if you want to fill me in here, I I don't know much about this. I, I, I saw it, but I didn't actually do any more research about it. But but I did see the one of the Yankees' executives um, he, he made some kind of comment about, um, either like the negotiations or Scott Boris or something about that. Well, I guess this is going back to the, I believe the 2017, um, season where, um, the Yankee, where the Astros were the, were the ones that cheated. Everyone knows that, but. I guess the um, the Yankees had cameras as well. Uh, an unnamed source said that, and they said that Rob Manfred sent a letter to the Yankees in back in 2017, but they they made it made he made sure it stayed closed and no one knew about it. Um, but on June 12th, which was last Sunday, I believe, or Saturday, whatever day that was, um, or Friday, whatever day it was, they said that a judge, a New York judge, ruled on Friday that the letter should be unsealed. So that could be coming soon. Hopefully, I I truly want the Yankees to get busted because I'm not a huge fan of the Yankees. They talk about their 27 titles like they, like they won them like the last 27 years. They've won what like two titles. Yeah, I think their last title was 09. They've been to the postseason 
quite a few times since then. Uh, but but I think cheating is a big problem in the MLB. Uh, the Astros scandal, that, that kind of shook baseball to its core, right? Uh, A.J. Hinch lost his job. I know uh, the Astros bench coach at the time and former Red Sox manager Alex Cora, he was like, it was just not a one-man operation. What, what, what does that tell you, Josh? That mean, Basically, most teams cheat in baseball. Because as that old saying goes, that you're, you ain't cheating if you ain't trying or something like that, right? Um, you know, so I, there is cheating in baseball to what extent is um, is different. The Astros use camera and uh, a buzzer system. Uh, the Brewers have been rumored to do it. The Yankees uh, have been rumored to do it. The Red Sox. It, it's kind of like the steroids, right? You, 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 The steroids era of the 90s. You know cheating is going on uh, with with the steroids. You know players are doing it, but you couldn't really prove it, right? So you know cheating is going on in baseball, but but it's one of those hard things to prove. So I would be interested to see in Rob Manfred, um, on uh, having the or having the judge unseal that email. But but Josh, the one the one thing that's interesting about Rob Manfred is when the Astros. Got uh, got punished for cheating. They they didn't lose much, right? I mean, AJ Hinch and Jeff Lund now the G the coach and the GM respectively. They were both suspended for a year, right? But this this season still counts if it's ten games, twenty games, forty games, sixty nine games, a hundred games, whatever. It it doesn't matter, you know. Um, you know they're they're still going to be suspended and then they'll be eligible for reinstatement uh, this upcoming off season. But but Josh, when you take a look at the Astros scandal and the way Rob Manfred handled it, a lot of people thought they got off really light. They only lost a first and a second round pick. They lost some uh, international bonus pool money to sign international free agents. So so I th- so I think Manfred's handling of that whole thing is also why he's my number four ranked commissioner. Yeah, and I'm going to go off of that. And just a piece of metal is what he called the World Series trophy. Um, that's kind of sad when you're the commissioner of that sport, of the just a piece of metal trophy. Yeah, and it goes back to my thought earlier of how he hates baseball. He wants to limit the minor leagues. He wants to get rid of short season and all those developmental leagues in the MLB. He wants to get rid of the human element and the umpire. He wants an automated strike zone. And like you said, the MLB trophy or the World Series trophy, the commissioner's trophy as it's called, you know, he called it a piece of metal. So is that a guy who really loves the sport? Yeah, it's hard to believe that he's the commissioner. So any last thoughts before we wrap it up, Nick? Uh, No, I just hopefully we'll have a new MLB deal um, in the next couple of days so they can start their spring training in their respective home home facilities and uh you know hopefully we can get back to sports you know the nba nhl are all coming back uh hopefully uh the nfl could come back uh, relatively shortly in regards to otas and training camp but i hope we just get uh more sports back because i'm sick and tired of watching reruns on tv of old games like the blackhawks and the bulls and the cubs and uh i don't watch the white Sox because i don't care but um you know, all, all that stuff. I'm kind of sick and tired of all those reruns. I just want live sports back. Yeah, and you can watch the White Sox for free. Not like the Cubs. You have to pay a bunch of money for that. Um, 
So that will conclude this week's episode of the Weekly Sports Talk Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. For Nick Palazzolo, I'm Josh Pose. Wishing you a great and safe, safe weekend.